Wow. Hello. <laughs> you guys are so sweet. It's so exciting to be here in this way this morning. And I really believe God has a message that he's put in my heart for you. And it's not only been a message, or it's not only a message for you, it's been a message for me specifically, um, well, throughout my life, but even more in this current season of my life. So I'm excited to hear what he has to say. So may our hearts be open, may the Holy Spirit lead me, and may we just be ready to receive, because he's got something really good for all of us today. So I don't know if you're like me, whenever I try to write something, it's, been, it's really hard to find my words. So about the 11th time of starting this sermon, and I said 11 times, can you believe it? <laughs> God told me, he said, go back to the beginning. So I thought, okay, go back to the beginning, the first thing that I thought of when Pastor Kent asked me to speak, but he said, no, go back to the very beginning where our problem that we're going to talk today begins. So I did. I went all the way back into Genesis 1, and that's where we're going to start. So if you have a Bible and you want to open it to Genesis 1, go for it. Um, or you could look on the screen too, and I'm going to read it to you. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So if you can picture that, the Spirit of God hovering over the darkness, the chaos. And God spoke, be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated that light from the darkness. So in the very beginning of creation, we see the Spirit of God hovering over darkness and void, over this unformed earth, his creation. And then we see a miracle take place. We hear his voice turning darkness into light, separating the light, which he called good, from that darkness, speaking peace over this chaos. So already in the very beginning of time, he's showing us his power over darkness and chaos, that just by the speaking of his voice, everything is made right and put into place. Amen. So if you go forward a little bit into chapter 2, we see the Trinity. He, the Trinity is deciding to make man, making man in his own image. He gives man charge over the earth. And all is that as it should be, man's eyes are fixed on God. God's truth is man's reality. God is with man. Man is with God. There's joy. There's peace in that relationship. And we know what happens. God gives Adam and Eve instructions. He says, you can eat from anywhere in the Garden of Eden, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, he gave man free will, right? That, um, which means that we have, they had the ability to choose. So at the same time, the enemy was on the earth. He decides he wants to try to get Adam and Eve to take their gaze off of God and put it on themselves. He gets them to start questioning God's heart for them, questioning who they are, what their purpose is on earth. The enemy wanted them to believe his lies. And so when faced with their first trial and temptation, they succumbed to those lies and they believed the enemy. And with that choice, their earthly eyes were opened wide and they did see good and evil. 
they looked down and realized they were naked. <laughs> and they felt their first sin-created emotions of fear and shame. I don't know why I glanced over that part, but it really hit me. Those are the first human emotions, fear and shame, and they're so rampant in our world today. So Adam and Eve, they hid. They didn't want God to see them in their nakedness. So Adam and Eve's decision to turn their gaze away from God, believing in untruth, putting that untruth above God's truth, that was their reality, allowed for sin to come into man's heart, and now it would rule us, it would yoke us, it would sway our choices and stain our judgment, and sin would now wreak havoc on the earth in many, many ways. It would rule in man's heart for the rest of time. And today, because of sin, each one of us, you and I, experience a battle for our minds and our hearts too. I know you agree with me, right? <laughs> Every day we're faced with this choice to believe lies or embrace and stand on the truth about who God is, who we are, how God feels about us, what our purpose is on earth. And it isn't easy, this choice, to believe truth over untruth because life is hard, right? Sinful things happen to us because sinful people make sinful choices and our world is unfortunately stained with sin. Um, we go through hardships and trials that cause pain and in our pain we start questioning who we are, who God is, what the truth of our situations are. I've been there too. We can walk, end up walking down a path that leads us into ditches where fear and anxiety and shame and depression, anger, and so many other emotions can become our main reality. We can end up fixing our gaze on those things and the reality that we see and feel in those emotions can far outweigh the reality and the truth that God has shown us, right? We carry these pains and untruths with us and on us like a yoke that is guiding our way and directing and leading our path. And as we're yoked to untruth, our heads are turned away from the gaze of the Lord, the real light source, the real peace bringer, the real life giver, and they weigh us down, keeping us in bondage, away from freedom and victory, away from close relationship with the Father, and that was the way it was always supposed to be, that we would have close relationship and experience freedom and victory. And you probably, um, probably noticed this, that these untruths, they masquerade themselves as the reality. And when we're blinded and we can't see, we end up being steered by these yokes of untruth all the way into a ditch, just like Kent was saying. We yoke ourselves to untruth. We're yoking ourselves to the ditch, and that's a place of bondage. That's a place of chaos. It's a place of unrest, and that was never the place that we were destined to be. And we don't want to set up camp there and stay there because we are not going to find our freedom, and we are not going to find our peace there. Amen? I agree. <laughs> My prayer for us today and every day is that our earthly reality, and I'm speaking this over myself too, would not outweigh God's reality 
and truth for us. That we could come to a place where we trust in what we cannot see more than what we can see. And that comes from 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Amen. So we are going to be faced with trials on this earth. It says that over and over again in the Word, and each one of us could, could say we've experienced that, right? It's an untruth um, that when you live life hooked up to Jesus, that everything will be hunky-dory. Probably no one says that phrase anymore but me. <laughs> because that's not the case, Right? But when we experience trials and we're hooked up to Jesus, that is what brings our peace in that trial. That is what gives us hope in that trial. And that is what gives us heavenly eyes um, over our earthly eyes to see the truth through our trial. And then we live in freedom and victory in that trial. Amen. So when we're faced with trials, which we're going to be every single day, um, it really comes down to a question and a choice. Are we going to choose this untruth and this lie, or are we going to choose the truth, what we know God has said to us? And some of us might not even know the truth, so how do we even choose that? Others of us, we already know Jesus, we already know the truth, but we still choose to put our eyes on our earthly realities. And I know it's not that easy. Many of us have had really hard circumstances in our lives that have caused us pain, me included. And it's a very human response to question what's going on and question where God is. And if you've read the Psalms, even David does that. I love reading the Psalms. It makes me feel much better when I'm going through a trial and I start complaining because he questions, you know, he laments. But in that very same breath, he chooses to fix his eyes on God and he starts praising him. And so we ultimately have a choice. What are we going to choose to believe moment to moment, minute to minute? Are we going to stay yoked in untruth and therefore stay in the ditch? Or will we believe in faith the things God has told us through experience and through his word and rise out, out of the ditch? How do we even do that? <laughs> Today, I get to share my journey with you. I'm so excited to tell you about the things that I have believed that um, I've come to believe are untruths and what the Lord has done to help me come to a place where I don't live in many of those ditches anymore and I've experienced freedom. So like Kent said in his video, um, I've found myself in many ditches throughout my life. Some I'm actually just recently realizing how yoked to them I was, like in the last month realizing. <laughs> These ditches of untruth, like I said earlier, they've masqueraded as my reality for quite some time. And I think that sometimes we end up as a product of our situation. I think that I have been that way. So I don't want to take full responsibility for being in some of these ditches because <laughs> my life has not been that easy. But at the end of the day, I too still have a choice to stay in that ditch of untruth and unbelief or hold on to the truth that I know. And I want to tell you today that if you find yourself in a ditch, first of all, you're not alone. You're not alone. It happens to every one of us. You don't have to feel shame that you're in a ditch either. 
Every one of us can find ourselves in a ditch, and we've probably experienced it one time or another in our lives, even if we haven't told anybody or don't want to bring that out into the open. In fact, Adam and Eve even found themselves believing untruth, and they were the first believers, you guys. They saw God up close and personal. So if we experience the trials and we experience the untruth, we don't have to feel shame. We don't have to feel bad, because even Adam and Eve had this problem. <laughs> so... <clears throat> Lost my place there for a minute when I went off my notes. <laughs> Anyways, my story, that's where I was. Um, so I get to share my story, and I hope that you are encouraged by what God has brought out of my past and from um, just to see what God has done from the things that I've gone through. So when I was young, my sibling and I were sexually abused by an older family member. Being abused at whatever age and whatever it looks like brings about many untruths about ourselves, about life, about God. Since I was so young, I wouldn't have had the language to tell you what I was feeling um, or even that I was believing untruths. In fact, I didn't even know what had happened to me was a bad thing um, until much later in my life because no one around me was telling me it was bad and we never ever received help. Um, that's probably why untruth stayed with me for so long because I didn't have anybody lifting that veil and opening my eyes to see what the real truth was. So I lived, lived with those untruths, yoked to my shoulders, guiding my way, steering my path. As I look back to my childhood, though it seemed pretty happy and normal, I can see chaos and unrest in my spirit, and um, I can see some of the untruths that I was believing. The first one is that I was not safe and that I needed to protect myself. The other unbelief being that I was stained, that I was gross, and that I had to hide. Now God, in his goodness, existed in my heart because I believed in the Lord. I've grown up in the church. I've believed in Jesus. So that belief was also part of the reality that I believed. So I would pray to him as a child. I would ask for help. Um, I would actually ask and pray that the angels would just pack my room up to the brim and protect me. And I would actually have faith that that was happening. I still do today. He answers our prayers. Um, sometimes I'd even sleep with my Bible because somehow that brought me peace. Some of you do that too, I'm sure. <laughs> um, with that belief in a God reality, there was still a pull in me to believe untruth. I still believed untruth. With that other untruth that I believed growing up, I never felt so great about myself. There were things I knew I could do well, and I got some good feelings from those things. But ultimately, I never thought I was good enough or smart enough, and I always thought people were better than me. I grew up believing unintentionally that my opinion didn't matter or I wasn't, or it wasn't good. And I also grew up thinking that you don't need help from anybody else. You could figure it out on your own. I unintentionally was taught not to lean on others for help and not to share what I was feeling negatively on the side. I wore my yokes of untruth, and they led and directed me for a really long time until finally God made a way and I was fine or I was finally willing to open up myself to receive help and God stepped in and started healing the things in my heart. 
So my childhood untruths, they would follow me into high school where I loved filling my life with titles. Um, I was snow queen, I was on the homecoming court, I was vice president of my student council and my choir, I was the speed skating captain, and I lettered in all those things, including bowling, which is a really great sport. <laughs> Funny enough. <laughs> And um, it's saying those things today even make you feel a little bit better inside. But even with all of those accolades, I still was believing an untruth that I was not worth anything, that I was stained and gross and had to hide. So I, in my childhood, would reach and reach and reach for anything to find my peace, my happiness, and my worth. So at the end of my senior year, um, my fresh, through my freshman year of college, I experienced one of the top five trials of my life. The events of our abuse would come into the open again, and because of the system of untruth that we lived in, everything was handled in a very bad way. And this time, the result was pretty earth-shattering. We would experience a physical break in my family, and I would lose my relationship and connection to my sibling, who is my best friend, and it would stay that way for 20 years. And within this trial, there was so much pain and so much hurt, so much anger and confusion. My childhood untruths would start to rise again. I would hear them almost screaming to me, you are not safe. Only you can protect and control your life. You are stained, you are gross, and not worthy of being in relationship with. I would feel feelings of rejection, fear and anxiety. And again, all this time, I'm walking with the Lord still. I love him with all my heart, and I'm even starting to work in ministry. Um, I knew who God was. I knew what he had done for me, but these untruths were so loud, felt so real, and held half of my heart. So I would easily succumb to them. Beautifully enough, God was not looking down at me in judgment, praise the Lord. He knew my heart. He knew my mind. He looked at me with love and grace. And he never, ever stopped pursuing me once, even while I was partly yoked to something other than him. So there's more. <laughs> right before I got pregnant with my older son, William, Paul and I entered into a new trial based upon the conflict in my own family. This one has and, been, and has been really hard. Again, my untruths were starting to pop up again. I'm not safe. I need to fear. I need to be afraid. And in that same breath, I heard I need to be strong and handle this on my own. And in fact, I'm alone in this struggle. I have to carry it on my shoulders alone. These untruths actually spiraled me at this time into um, large anxiety and panic. And I, I ended up going through or going on some medicine actually to help me at that time, which, by the way, God uses that. So just want to encourage you that God does. Amen. I was still believing in God at this time still. I would find myself declaring, you've got the victory. I'd be praying to him. I'd be singing to him. But I would still find myself being yoked and swayed and ruled by untruths. It was easy for my eyes to get stuck on them. And if you asked me, I wouldn't have said that I was believing any untruth. It's funny how easily blinded we can be, right? 
Fast forward a little bit, when I was in my mid-20s, my dad would be diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is bone marrow cancer, and he was given six months to live. So at that point, my mom and my dad, or my mom and my dad, my dad, blah, 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 my words are getting crazy. <laughs> my mom, my husband, and I became my dad's caregivers. My dad actually lived for four more years after that six-month diagnosis, praise the Lord, and he prided himself in telling every person around him what a miracle he was and how he proved the doctors wrong, <laughs> which was really sweet. Uh, within those four more years that my dad lived, my mom would be diagnosed with colon cancer. And funny enough, this is also the time that God was capturing my heart and orchestrating and moving mountains so I could now start to heal from my things in childhood and the other things that I've been going through with my untruths. I was finally ready to grow and open up and be willing to let others in to help me. So I want to just tell you the quick story of how that came to be. Um, at that time, I was still working in ministry. I just had my second son, Emmett, and I was on maternity leave. So while I was gone out of my position at church, lots of things were happening at church. Lots of changes were coming. So when I came back, um, I came back to a totally different job position. They had moved me out and moved some other young buckaroos in, <laughs> which is just fine. And I was just left questioning my identity and I was so wounded and hurt. Um, at the same time, there was a revival going on in our youth ministry in the worship area, of course not being led by me because I was gone. <laughs> um, and so I, I, in my hurt, stained eyes, um, looked at what was happening, and it was good, but I was judging the leaders, thinking they were moving out of selfish ambition. So I decided to do Matthew 18 and go up to that leader and just tell them my heart, not in a mean way, but um, I did, and what came out of that conversation was actually an encouragement that maybe there was just something in me that God wanted to touch and God wanted to change. Usually, if you have an interaction like this, you get offended and angry, which is a real human response, but that didn't happen to me. Um, God was orchestrating everything to touch pain in my heart and finally put me on a path of healing and I was ready, so I decided to take that invitation and open the door and start walking into my healing. Um, it was not easy. It was super scary. I was scared of being rejected. I was scared of feeling embarrassed, but I went for it anyways, because what do you got to lose, right? This is so beautiful. When I put myself out there, I was not met with rejection, but love. I was not met with condemnation, but grace and the healing and new perspectives about myself, about God, about Jesus in me was well worth it to put myself out there. So in October of 2011, both my parents would be put on the hospice. And in that season, you know, I'm starting to heal. I'm in a new place with the Lord. And one night, as I was on a women's retreat, we were praying and I'm crying. And I heard God speak to me. And this time, this God truth, for the first time in my trials, this God truth was way louder than any sin-stained earthly truth. And he spoke to me, Jeremiah 29, 11, and I'm going to read it for you. It says, he said to me, 
For I know the plans I have for you, Bobby, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Bobby, to give you a hope and a future, and then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I heard God's voice say to me, I am for you, Bobby. I am not against you. I have not allowed this into your life to harm you. And in fact, I have a future and a hope that is in me that is for you. And this was also a promise to me that when I seek him, I will find him when I seek him with my whole heart. And as I was preparing this message, God just like clicked something in me that all along he's telling me this is giving me a key to my peace. It's finding him and seeking him with my entire heart. That's where I'm going to find my rest and that's where I'm going to find my peace and my healing and my freedom and my victory in him. So my dad would go on to become a citizen of heaven that next January, and my mom would soon pass as well two years later in 2014. So go speed up all the way to today. Um, I still have trials in my life that I'm walking through. I have opportunities all over the place to believe things that aren't true about myself, about God, about life. Some of the untruths that I used to deal with, I don't anymore, praise the Lord. They've been changed to God truths over these years as I've found myself surrendering to the Lord, as I've gotten to know him more, as I've had revelation about what the death and resurrection of Jesus means for me, as I've learned more about the Holy Spirit and how to partner with the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to help me and change me. I've experienced how our lives are changed when we hang out with God daily, moment to moment, and how everything in our life, every victory and freedom comes out of intimate relationship with God. I've also grown and learned to receive forgiveness for my mistakes and believe in faith that I can let go of those sins if I've said sorry to the Lord. So he's washed me clean. I continue to still learn every day how to exchange pain and suffering for joy and peace, anxiety for peace, and fear for trust. So going back a little bit to Adam and Eve, I just want to talk for a moment. God was not surprised that Adam and Eve succumbed to the lies and started believing the untruth. And I don't think he's even surprised when we start believing untruths. He's not shocked. <laughs> It didn't make him happy, and I'm sure that it grieved his heart heavily to see his creation walk away from his love and his plan for them. But from the very beginning, God had a plan to bring his people back, the children that he loves, back into that Garden of Eden-type relationship with him where we experience life, peace and freedom in and through our relationship with God. He would send his son Jesus, the light of the world, into this dark world. 
because it's kind of hard to relate to God just as the up in heaven king of kings that you can't see. So God would send Jesus to earth to live on earth so then we could relate to him through watching Jesus' life we would see and experience the Father up close and personal. We would learn of the Father's character through watching Jesus. We would see God's love, his forgiveness, his mercy, and his grace. We would see how powerful he is as he does miracles in us and for us. And most importantly, how darkness and evil, they surrender to the name of Jesus. And with one final act of mercy, Jesus would choose to die on the cross as a final sacrifice for every sin of the world, every pain you have, every hurt, every untruth and sin that we've yoked ourselves to. Jesus would die and soon ro rise from that grave in victory, defeating death, beating out sin, amen, and triumph over the darkness. And he did that to save us. So we would not be punished for our sin, but we would be forgiven and brought back into relationship with the Father, given a chance and a choice to live in a life of victory and freedom that was always intended for you from the very beginning of time. Isn't that amazing? Um, John 3.16, you probably all could say it with me. It's uh, actually through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes on to say, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. Amen? He came to save us. So through Jesus, we are saved. Through Jesus, you are redeemed. Through Jesus, we are forgiven. We have victory over the sin that has enslaved us and yoked us because of Jesus. In Galatians 5.1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, no longer to be subject to the yoke of slavery. That's why Jesus came, to bring us back to our Garden of Eden relationship with him, where we can live in victory and freedom, unyoked by all those sinful things and untruth. So I want to talk about how do you get into this place of living in victory and freedom um, if you find yourself in a ditch today. The first thing is if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, that's the actual first step. We are sinners in need of saving, and Jesus is the only one who can do it. So remember today that he went to the cross for you, taking every sin upon himself, he died for every one of your pains, every one of your hurts, and then he rose, defeating death and sin, so we could have a chance and we could have a choice to live in freedom and victory, not slavery and defeat. And as you lay down your life and you surrender your life, all of the hardships, all of the untruth, you lay that down before the Lord. And then guess what you get to pick up? You pick up peace, you pick up hope, 
You pick up joy, you pick up love, grace, and you pick up relationship with the Lord. And you can have that today. So many of you already have that, but we can have that today. This minute-to-minute leaning on the creator of the universe, walking through life with him as our rock, as our peace. He's the only one that can bring you real joy. He's the only one that can birth victory and freedom into your life. Amen? Jesus says in John 10, 10, and this is one of my favorite verses. This is the second part of it. It says, I came that they may have real and eternal life, more and better life than you could ever dream of. Isn't that what we want? We want more and better life. He is the one who gives us hope in this hard world. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us, he's given you new birth into a living hope, and it all is through the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. That's a living hope. That means it's alive and active every single day for you, not just once, but every single moment. So for those of you that already believe in the Lord, which is many of us, and you find yourself stuck in a ditch, I believe the Lord is saying to you, remember, remember. Should we say remember? Remember. You have maybe have heard the gospel a million times, but he wants you to hear it again. Remind yourself of what he's done for you and what that means for you. Remember the truth of who God is and is for you and who you are in him as a son and a daughter. Remember that you've been given a helper that was sent here when Jesus went up to heaven and that helper is the Holy Spirit and put all of that truth into action, not only in your heart, but in your mind. And re-get to know Jesus. Invite him into every moment of your day. Start leaning on him and see how he shows you and proves himself to you. Trade your untruth for the truth. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the scripture is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. That means come from right where you are. You don't have to change anything. Just come with all of yourself to the Lord. With every weariness and every burden. He says, I will give you rest. How many of you guys have tried and tried thing and thing to get peace and find rest? We try Starbucks, we try, what else do I try? Massages, <laughs> all, certain, all sorts of things. <laughs> we can name all the things that we tried, right? But we will never, ever find our peace, as you probably know, from anything you're going to get here on earth. That's because the only real lasting peace comes from Jesus, and the only lasting joy comes from him, 
That's where you're going to find it. Jesus says, take off your yoke of slavery and put on my yoke. So that means literally, you guys, take off the one you've been wearing. Take off that yoke of sin and untruth. Take it off, that one that's been guiding you, keeping you in the ditch, and offer it to Jesus. I was going to say, throw it out, and then my husband said, give it to Jesus. <laughs> give it to Jesus. And then you get to do the great exchange. I love that phrase. Great exchange. You get to take on his yoke. Take on what was always meant to be yours, victory, freedom, relationship. And how do you find the truth to exchange? You've got to read your Bible. <laughs> it's in there. There's too many things to say in this little sermon time. Get into the word. Dig into the word. Meditate it. Take it. Swallow it. Wear it. Let, get to know the truth so you know what to exchange your lies and untruth for. Know your enemy and know your God. So if you become aware of the schemes of the enemy, you're going to be able to sniff him out, which is really important. So that other part of my favorite verse, John 10, 10, which I didn't read, it says, the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. First Peter 1, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So be aware that the enemy is out for your demise. He wants to push you down, steal away what was always meant to be yours, condemn you to the ground, and keep you in the ditch away from the truth that will set you free. He knows, I love this part God gave me, that the grass is greener on the other side. It works for this. <laughs> the grass is actually greener on the other side because on the other side, what awaits you is redemption. It, what awaits you is healing, joy, peace, hope, and so many, many more promises. So when you throughout your day are hearing untruths that put you down and push you down, condemning you and telling you how awful you are, recognize that is not the voice of the Lord. Amen? That is not the voice of the Lord. I love this verse, Romans 8.1. There is, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So sin and death and condemnation is the enemy's voice. Life and peace are the voice of our Savior Jesus. And did you know that if you're a believer, there's this verse in John 4, 4, that greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is Jesus who had victory over sin and darkness. Greater is Jesus in you than he, the enemy, who is in the world. So the enemy has nothing on you if you believe in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. you got to believe that. He has nothing on you. You have victory because Jesus had victory over sin, and Jesus is in you if you believe. The most important thing I, we, I think that we can do to come out of the ditch, and this was that key that 
God was speaking to me from Jeremiah 29, 11, is to walk in relationship with the Lord. And that's not only a once a week thing, that's a minute to minute thing, everyone. <laughs> John 15, four through five says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So you can do nothing apart from God. We can try, but it ultimately won't work. Relationship and intimacy with God is the single most important key to getting out of the ditch, I believe, and living in victory and freedom. Remember in Garden of Eden, we were created for relationship. God created us to walk with him, to draw life from him minute to minute, to go to him for strength, to go to him for refreshment, for cleansing for all of our lives. And through relationship with God, you will find your rest, your peace, and your victory, and your freedom. So if you're asking, well, how do I start that? There, in my opinion, there isn't a special formula that you have to follow. Just show up and be there with God. Just say, I'm here, Lord. Start talking to him. Maybe be quiet a little bit so you can listen to him. Um, spend time in worship. I tell you, when we're having worship today, there is something about just letting your soul declare the praises of the Lord that quiets down every fear, every worry, and heals pain. Get yourself in worship. Start praying, which just means talk to God. Get yourself with the Lord. Read your Bible so you know what the truth is, because if you don't, you won't know what the truth is and that you're, you even have a problem. <laughs> John 4, 14, it says, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. Amen. But the water I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So today, may we choose to come to the living water. May we drink of what he offers us. As you leave today, I want you to remember... If anything, you are never meant to live yoked to ditches of untruth. And there is a way out into victory and freedom that was always designed to be yours. And it can be yours today. Amen? May we trade these untruths and start living in freedom and victory like we were always meant to be. We are the people with victory and freedom as our sign, amen? We don't need to be weighed down. And that isn't the way God designed it. He wants us to walk in victory through every trial, through every pain, fixing our eyes on him, letting his truth be our reality instead of this earthly stuff that we experience. That would be my prayer for you today. Ah, God is so good. Whew, and we're done, right? <laughs> no, we're going to just spend some time praying because I think it's really important that we go to God and we just open ourselves up. We start to listen to him. See, there, is there an untruth that we're believing? Let the Lord and the Holy Spirit just come in and minister to our hearts. That's how we're going to end today. And if you want prayer, if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus into your life or you've never surrendered, when after service we'll have our ministry people up here and I want to encourage you to come up and let us pray for you. That is the first step is to give your life to Jesus. If you've already given your life to Jesus, resurrender again. Come up for prayer. 
If you find yourself in a ditch and you want to get out, come up for prayer today too. If you want victory and freedom, come up and let us pray for you. We'll have that ministry team come up in a little bit. So let's, let's just close our eyes if you want. You can open your hands. There's nothing special about this. It's just a physical way that we say we want you, God. We receive you. And I'm going to sing a song over you that I didn't write. <laughs> Still a beautiful prayer. And I think it just um, closes what the Lord has been sharing with us today. So let the voice of the Lord just speak to you. And uh, let's surrender to the Lord and see what he has for us. of hiding your safe here with me there's no need to cover what i own